Welcome to Extra Virgin, a podcast for gourmands who love to travel and travellers who love good food. I'm your host, Natasha Mirosh, an insatiably curious food and travel writer who has toured and tasted her way around more than 60 countries. Join me now as I meet the passionate people who make travelling the world so rewarding and so very delicious. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Extra Virgin Food and Travel. Are you a keen foodie planning a trip to Australia? If it's your first time, I have to tell you, you will probably be blown away and you'll probably go home a few kilos heavier. In my opinion, we have some of the best food and chefs in the world. And I think I'm well-traveled enough to make that call, even if I'm probably just a teeny bit biased. Today, we're looking at the Australian dining scene and talking about which are our best restaurants with two of the top food authorities in the country. The editor of Australian Gourmet Traveller, Joanna Hunkin, and restaurant reviewer for the Australian newspaper, John Lethleen. So, pens and paper ready because you want to take notes. My first guest, Joanna Hunkin, is the editor of what is probably Australia's best-loved food magazine, Australian Gourmet Traveller. Welcome, Joanna. Thank you for joining me on Extra Virgin. Thank you for having me. Joanna, of course, you have your finger very much on the pulse of the Australian dining scene. How would you describe it generally if you were telling someone else who maybe hadn't been here? You know, the Australian dining scene is really vibrant. It it has something for everyone. There's so much to explore and it really is world-class, but like there's such exceptional depth of creativity and it's a really exciting industry. It's something that I think Australians should be enormously proud of. And I think when they start to travel and, and go overseas, they actually often people appreciate just how great Australian dining is. I think the industry is really dynamic here. And part of that is because we are a young country and it is a young industry. And we're not as hamstrung by some of the traditions that you do have in European fine dining, particularly France and Italy. You know, a lot of chefs are very constrained by what they can do and what the rules supposedly are. Whereas, you know, here things are very fluid and dynamic and people, there's a lot of immigrants working in the industry and everyone's bringing their knowledge and it's all kind of coming together and mixing up and and wonderful things are coming out of it. And in the last few years, we've also had lots of chefs using some of our unique Indigenous ingredients, which is quite exciting. Absolutely. Indigenous ingredients are such a big part of the food scene now. And it is, it's fantastic the way um, people are integrating that into particularly chefs and restaurants, it's starting to come a little bit into even supermarket supermarket products and things people are um, cooking with at home. But with that, there is also, you know, a very important conversation and, and a responsibility to be aware of where you're getting those products from and doing it in an ethical um, and responsible way. And I think, you know, I, do, I think particularly in the high end of fine dining, the chefs are really aware of that and, and doing a good job around that. But it is something that, you know, everyone needs to be conscious of and, and sort of asking questions about where some of that stuff is coming from. Absolutely. Okay, so Joanna, where, in your opinion, are the best places to eat in Australia right now and why? 
Oh, I mean, it's such a big question. Obviously, I'm, I'm lucky that because I edit Gourmet Traveller and we do a restaurant awards each year and we actually name restaurant of the year. First and foremost, I should name our winner, which was Tedesca Osteria, which is in the Mornington Peninsula uh, in Victoria, uh, which is an incredible hyper-local sort of farm-to-table restaurant where they grow all their produce in the grounds. The chef, Brigitte Hefner, is an incredible chef with with great experience and has done some beautiful restaurants in the past leading up to Tedesca, but it was her ultimate vision of what she wanted a restaurant to be and a lifelong dream that she finally managed to create. So, so I do think Tedesca is, you know, that would have to be my number one because we, we did name it as Restaurant <laughs> of the Year. Uh, but there is, I mean, there are so many. Here in Sydney, St. Peter and what Josh Nyland are doing is fabulous. It really, I always say it depends what you're looking for and what you're, you know, what you're trying to get out of an experience. If you are coming to Sydney and want to have a quintessential beachside experience, I would send you to Coogee until you go to, go to Unamas mm-hmm. and have some Mediterranean tapas and beautiful natural wine. Um, if you want big glamour dining and you want to be in the city, then, you know, it's very hard to go past Benelong and eating inside the opera house. Mm. Um there's, you know, there's always new, interesting things opening and a lot of great restaurants. You've got your classic chefs like Neil Perry, who've got new restaurants. Uh, so he's got Margaret down in Double Bay, which is fabulous. And then you've got all the other cities. I mean, Melbourne really is home to some of the very best restaurants in Australia. And I might be shocked for saying that as I live in Sydney. I, I was actually just spent the weekend in Melbourne and went to Grill Americano, which is one of Chris Lucas's new restaurants. There's, you know, up in Carlton, you've got great little neighbourhood bistros like Etta Dining. There's such a depth of choice and variety and the thing that wherever you go, you can find exceptional dining. I'm heading to Adelaide in a couple of weeks and very excited to go and check out a a couple of new places there, including Aurora, uh, which I've heard wonderful things about. Restaurant Botanic, which has had a huge refresh. So it's a classic restaurant that's been completely made over, has a new chef. And and that's the thing, there's always sort of new things to explore. So it just oh yeah, I mean it is a it's an impossible question because <laughs> it depends what what you're in the mood for and what exactly. you're trying to get out of it. I but I do I often say that I think the most fun dining experience you can have in Australia is restaurant Hubert, which is a underground French bistro in in the centre of Sydney, which really is almost acts as a time machine that transports you back to, you know, 1920s Paris. Uh, and particularly through COVID, it really it just became the most, had the most electric atmosphere because people were so excited to be transported out of their daily life that I think that's probably one of the most fun restaurants you could go to right now. What about somewhere <laughs> somewhere little known or a personal favourite, maybe a little ethnic restaurant or something in the suburbs that may not get, a, get onto your best lists but you still love? Oh, look, there are so many places. You know, here in Sydney, you go around Newtown and there's incredible dining to discover. Cafe Parsi is one of my favourite spots and that's actually got a Scandinavian chef. So doing things that you might not expect and you might never have tried before, but but done in a really accessible way so you're never intimidated by it. And, and ultimately, it's delicious. So 
it's just, you know, worth, you've just got to go with it and get amongst it. I love Lankan Filling Station, which is Otama Carey's restaurant. She does incredible Sri Lankan food. Um, and again, it is, you know, actually it has featured on our best restaurants list before, but it's very affordable and, and accessible. There are, there's just so many options. When I was in Melbourne last week on Friday night, I went to Anchovy, which is a Vietnamese mm. restaurant in Richmond, which is magnificent. And I think what really sets apart some of these places is just the level of specialty and expertise that goes into the cuisine. It's not just generic, you know, Vietnamese food. It's very region specific or people who are really taking their culture and using and, and making it unique to their Australian experience and kind of bringing their two worlds together through food. And I think that's where you find some of the most exciting dining experiences. Do you ever get over to the other side of the country, to Western Australia? I have never been to Western Australia. <gasps> so my, my caveat on that is I only moved to Australia in 2019 mm. and I had six months before all the borders closed and they only just <laughs> reopened. So I will be going there. It's on my list, but mm. WA has yet, to, yeah, has yet to let me in. <laughs> and what about my home city, Brisbane? Have you been here yet? Yes. Yeah. I come up to Brisbane quite a bit. So Brisbane has some fantastic restaurants. I'm sure you'll, you'll have probably gone to a few of them. I love Hellenica, Agnes. I love Same Same. And actually the group that do Agnes, Bianca, Same Same, I think are probably some of the best restaurateurs in Australia. What they're doing just consistently is delivering a really high standard, no matter what the, the cuisine is, and also creating incredible atmosphere. And I think that's such a big part of the dining experience. The executive chef there, Ben Williamson, is hugely talented. And yeah, just the, the, the three owners are really doing cool things and, and bringing the Brisbane restaurant scene alive. Mm, well, I'm so glad that you have got to Brisbane. And thank you so much for those recommendations. That's um, so much. I'm going to Melbourne actually the week after next. So um, I'm going to check out some of those recommendations. I will say my number one mm. choice for Melbourne, if, if particularly in Melbourne City, if you haven't been, you must go to Flower Drum. It is the best Cantonese food in Australia. I will stake my life on that. And I grew up in Hong Kong, so I'm somewhat qualified to, Ooh, to make okay. this statement. But it's just the most extraordinary dining experience. The chef, Anthony, has been cooking. He's still in the kitchen. I think he's now 78 years old. Um, his son, Jason, runs the floor and is one of the most charming um, maitre d's in the country. And, yeah, it just really is a wonderful experience. So put that on your list, please. I will definitely put that on my list. Thank you, Thank you so much for that. And you can find out about more of the restaurants that Joanna and her reviewing team rate when the Australian Gourmet Traveller Restaurant Guide is published later in the year. Well, thank you, Joanna, for chatting with me today and for all your fabulous professional intel. Thanks, Natasha. And now a man who is revered or reviled, depending on what he's had to say about your restaurant, Chief Critic at the Australian newspaper, John Lethleen. Thanks, John, for chatting with me today. It's always so nice to talk food with you. Well, thank you for considering me. <laughs> We're only four and a half thousand kilometres apart. <laughs> Well, you've been in this business a very long time, John. For you, what is it that makes a great dining experience? I think increasingly, Natasha, it's energy. Uh, the sort of energy that you feel from chefs with great ideas that they're really excited to get on the table, you know, really excited about the produce that they've got, 
staff that are really in tune with the kitchen and are into bat for what their what their chefs are doing and i guess there's a sense of a sense of teamwork where they're all pushing towards the same thing staff who know what the food is kitchen staff who know how the front of house guys deliver it and how they talk to their customers about it you know when you get the sense of a team where you know the, the staff are, are on board with what the with what the kitchen's trying to do and they understand the produce and where it's come from what's been done to it and then you get the sense that the chef's doing something that you would never have thought of yourself and there it is it's, it works it it makes sense in the context of the restaurant whether it's you know, an inner city, an inner city bistro or a, a vineyard restaurant, where there is a, a sense of context to the food, and when they're all pushing in the right direction, and then I guess if you then introduce wine into the into the equation, um, you know, that's where the front of house staff can really take a, a, a dining experience from simply a glass of wine, to, you know, a complete education. Uh, I, I love that. I living in a wine district as I do, I really, I, I, I really enjoy when I'm, I have people introduce me to new ideas and varieties, uh, wine making techniques and, and of course how it works with the food. So, you know, the, the package, I guess nothing really has ever changed. The package has to be there. Yeah, absolutely. You travel all over the country, of course, reviewing for the Australian Tell us what you think are the best restaurants in the country right now and why. Elska in your town, Brisbane, I think it exemplifies what I've just been talking about, a, a team that is working as one beautiful produce, worked with innovative food ideas but simple food ideas, you know, three or four ingredients on a plate, but uh, energy, energy uh all, all those things i just mentioned else is one of the most enjoyable restaurant experiences i've had for a long time because i had food i've never had before i had produce i've never had before i had staff who were just so in tune with their kitchen some great wine and just uh, a package that represented the very best of i think the very best of australia to be honest that's brizzy um in Sydney recently, I went to a kind of a, a, modern, a modern Italian place called Pasti uh, upstairs, which is very strong on, I guess, what we should call lo-fi or low-intervention wines, particularly from Italy. And there was some very clever food happening there. Again, not pretentious food, just modern bistro food working su- supremely with uh, some of the wines um, that they sell there. They uh, import their own wines, and I had some wine from uh, from Sicily that I really enjoyed. I had some uh, some some dishes that I'd never thought of before. It had an Italian spirit, but a kind of a new world energy. Delightful little place, loved it, and I'd really hoped to be in Sydney for the opening of a place called Beyond, which has been opened by uh, a chef who is a former protege of David Thompson, Australia's, uh, Australia's great uh, exponent of Thai food, the guru. And um, I'm hearing that uh, this is a really exciting place. So Beyond is my, uh, is my little backup there. I can't wait to get back to Sydney and try that out. I got down to Melbourne and I had my most exciting meal at Aru, which is uh, Khan Ng's. Uh, excuse on pronunciation, Khan is from a Vietnamese heritage. His new restaurant, modern, modern Asian food that 
uses Australian native ingredients in a really smart way, not a gratuitous way, exciting modern modern food uh, that again is, is is ideas ideas you would never consider in your wildest dreams, but uh, come together superbly. Very exciting little restaurant, Aru. And, you know, Distazio Pizza, which, look, I'm, you know, I'm on the record as being a fan of what the Distazio group do with restaurants. And this is not an exception. It reminded me of being in Italy. Yes, it's a pizzeria, but there's a whole lot more there happening. Um, simple but clever Italian food, probably a little bit more traditional than pasty. But if, if listeners can get themselves into the courtyard at Distazio Pizza tucked away in the back of... Um, in the back of Carlton, it's a really brilliant joint. Loved it, loved it. Went there twice, in fact, while I was there. Had such a good time the first time. I got into uh, uh, I got into Adelaide, of course, uh, on this little bit of a round trip that I re- did recently. Had some really good meals, but the the, the highlight, out of out of you know, without any shadow of a doubt was a restaurant Botanic in the Botanic Gardens, a, a chef by the name of Justin James, who's an Irishman who's come to uh, Australia and worked at Beautamond in Melbourne for five years as head chef. But before that, golly, what hasn't the guy done? He's worked at uh, Blue Hills at Stone Barns. He's worked at 11 Madison Avenue and he's worked at Noma, uh, not just a little bit of um, CV, uh, CV polishing. The guy is an amazing cook. And this is a meal where you have to just dedicate yourself, commit yourself to a minimum, a minimum of three hours where for a set price, just little thing after little thing will arrive and blow you away with the, well, first the idea, you know, he comes up with things that I would never think of most chefs would never think of and then you ask that your waiter about how it was prepared and they'll they'll tell you about the steps that were involved in achieving that outcome and it will blow you away the the kind of the detail but the detail doesn't get in the way of the end result the food is absolutely absolutely delicious and again a very clever considered approach to using uh, native ingredients in Australian food. Um, I, I sense a real maturity in this sense, Natasha, that we went through a stage some years back when everybody was chucking a bit of everything in and hoping it stuck. Uh, those days seem to have passed and now we're seeing chefs using little things uh, like Davidson Plum or finger lime, obviously, or lily pilly, just using them really cleverly. And I think that is a great thing to, to celebrate as we as we move into the sort of the post-COVID era of dining in Australia, um, that we have some real intelligence being applied to blending the best of Europe and the best of the new world uh, and our new world ingredients. So I think that's, you know, something exciting. And I can't recommend Restaurant Botanic more highly for the food wonk i have to admit it wouldn't suit everybody but for people who are dedicated foodies and i i don't shy away from that expression the way some people do i'm perfectly happy with the expression of foodie you know people who love food who get off on knowing what they're eating knowing where it came from knowing how it was prepared and being excited uh restaurant botanic is 
probably one of the most exciting restaurants in the country uh, right now. It's not cheap, though, is it, John? It's not cheap. No, no. I actually had to go there on my own. I wasn't. I, I wasn't prepared to give, to give my my bosses a a, a receipt for eight hundred bucks, which is what it would have cost the two of us to have, you know, proper uh, proper drinks and the full menu. So I went on my own, and it was um, it was still four hundred dollars just for me. So that was pretty uh, that was um, pretty good. And of course, I, you know, I'm lucky enough to live in Margaret River, where we actually have some pretty good restaurants and. Look, you know, I, I get up to Perth on a regular basis and I've got my favourites there, like uh, like Lulu La Delizia. But I reckon one of the best restaurants in Western Australia is on my doorstep uh, at, at Vast Felix Vines. And we went there for, for Easter lunch, a group of eight of us, um, and it was a non-expense account lunch. We just had a, a four-hour lunch with lots of excellent wine and really, really interesting food. And... Natasha, what I love about Vas Felix is that the chef absolutely builds his food around the wine. It's it's not an afterthought. Mm-hmm. He he works with the sommelier to create dishes that showcase the Vas Felix portfolio mm-hmm. in a really intelligent way. And you leave at the end of the day having been looked after very very well in lovely setting having eaten great food. It's, um, I'm just very lucky to have this restaurant around here. And the only downside, of course, is that it only opens during the day. But you, <laughs> you can't go out at night, at night around here, but that's probably not such a bad thing. The boys hitting kangaroos. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's, that, uh, that, that would be my roundup of the great, you know, some of the great restaurants around Australia today anyway, I, I, I think. I, I can't wait to get out of, to get out of the capital cities and, Get down to, for example, to Byron Bay, where I hear there's there's plenty of uh, activity and some really interesting people, you know, establishing businesses. I guess you're on top of that far more than I am. Maybe I'm not. I'm not sure about that. I haven't travelled all that much lately either. But um, I, do you mm-hmm. have a regional favourite? Well, look, I've mentioned Vast Felix, and I've, you know, there's no. Um, that's probably a regional favourite. I mean, I think Rays at Water goes uh, just outside of Byron Bay would be a favourite regional restaurant. I can't wait to check out the restaurant that the chef Alana Sapwell has uh, moved to in Byron Bay. Alana was in Brisbane, as you would well know, for not long enough down at the Wharf Precinct. And mm. I love the food at that restaurant when I went there a couple of times. So I'm pretty keen to check her out. Look, I, yeah, that would probably be some of my favourite regional, regional restaurants. I'm hoping to get down to Hobart uh, in the very near future. There's a couple of places I want to check out down there, and I've got I've got Tasmanian roots, uh, so to speak. Both my parents were Taswegian, so I always kind of have a you know a, a kind of a an emotional an emotional um, register when I when I land in Hobart and and uh, and, and walk around. You know, it's such an easy, accessible city, mm. um, and Provided you don't go in the depth of winter, I, I think after a, three years of living in WA, I, I, you know, I've become a little bit acclimatised to the warmer weather. Mm. But um, I'm looking forward to getting back to Tassie, and then, and then I guess we'll just do the rounds again. You know, I think uh, I think there's more places in Brisbane, there's more places in Sydney. Uh, there's a, it's I find it remarkable how many places have opened post 
you know, post-COVID, um, I mean, I say post-COVID, we're not really post-COVID, but, you know, post-lockdown era anyway, um, just the, the resilience or the, the optimism of the restaurant industry never, never ceases to amaze me. And the spreadsheet just keeps getting longer and longer of places that I reckon I, I probably need to check out. It's like being a house painter, isn't it? Just you finish and... It's like being a house painter, yeah. The moment you finish, you start realising there are bits that they're touching up. And, um, yeah, so there's plenty of places, plenty of places in Sydney in particular um, that I want to get, I want to get, get through. And, um, yeah, I think that's probably... And then some more regional stuff as well. But, yeah, those trips are, those trips are a little bit harder to organise in, in the sense that you've got to... The logistics start piling up when you're talking about renting cars and driving and finding regional accommodation and blah, blah, blah. But, um, oh, well, you know, first world problems and all that. Uh, <laughs> thank goodness the city's a, the city's a vibrant. Well, we look forward to reading reviews of all the places that you're going to in the future. What day, John, does your review appear in The Australian? We are in the uh, Weekend Australian magazine, which, you know, is incorporated with the paper on, on Saturdays. And then there's other bits and pieces here and there and online and what have you. But the reviews themselves appear in the Weekend Australian magazine. So, um, yeah, it's national, which is, you know, a challenge and, an op- and, a, and a, a great privilege. You know, it's, it's great. It's, it's a great opportunity and a great privilege to be able to talk to, to talk to people, you know, in all corners of this bloody big country. So, yeah. Saturdays. John, I have to wonder if there are a few new restaurateurs who have been quite pleased that you've been locked down in WA for a while until they get their ducks in a row and, um, you know, feel confident about having you come in to review. Everybody's going to be on their guard now, I assume. Oh, look, I think, yeah, I've always tried to not be that guy who arrives on the first night and writes a review. Um, You know, um, yeah, look, that's that's quite possible uh, that people, and that's why it's important to to keep your finger on the pulse and just know what's going on with personnel movements in particular, um, because you need to know when something's fair game and when it's mm. not. So, I got you know someone had a go at me over the on the weekend about a review in the magazine that basically criticised the fact that the the service almost came to a grinding halt at nine o'clock at night, leaving us sort of sitting there wondering what to do next. And someone had a go at me about that. Um, but, um, you know, it doesn't really make for a very constructive restaurant review if you overlook, uh, if you overlook problems, does it? Um, and at the end of the day, you know, a restaurant review is for the public, but if it helps, if it helps businesses, get a handle on what's happening uh, out there on the dining room floor. Well, that's not such a bad thing either. And, you know, we'll end up with, we'll end up with better restaurants and better staff, I think. Um, you know, maybe an idealised way of looking at it, but I'd like to think that's the case. <laughs> you never know. Uh, you know, look, we all know that people, we all know people don't really pay much attention to the, to the press anymore. It's, it's all about influences and all that kind of rubbish. I'm told every week that I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a dinosaur, and <laughs> the fact that I the fact that I like canning influences means means I I don't understand modern modern marketing. You know, I don't believe that, but um, I think it's a, it's it's a good thing that there is a lot of different uh, a lot of different channels for opinion, and um, 
uh, and if it, if it augments the, the traditional mainstream media, then that's good. I think people who like eating out and want to, want to get value for money need to find need to find the voices that they trust and. You know, whether that's via Instagram or whether that's uh, via a newspaper, that's their call. Well, look out, restaurateurs, because John is back and he may have you in his sights. So <laughs> just, just be warned. Well, thank you so much, John, for talking with me today. I really appreciate it. And uh, you've given oh, me a lot of food for thought. It's nice to be included. I, I appreciate it very much. Thank you, Natasha. See you soon. Well, that's it for another episode of Extra Virgin Food and Travel. Thank you so much to my guests, Joanna Hunkin and John Lethlian, and thank you too for listening. Until next time, bon voyage and bon appétit. You've been listening to Extra Virgin, a podcast for the Epicurious. You can get more great food and travel inspiration, including stories, recipes, reviews, and more on our website, www.extravirginfoodandtravel.com. You can also follow Extra Virgin Food and Travel on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook or email us at extravirginfoodandtravel at gmail.com. If you haven't already, go to Apple, Spotify or Google Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts to download and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until we meet again, bon voyage and bon appétit.